everyone. This is Flawless, a music podcast. My name is George and I am joined by my co-host Liam. Good evening. It might be daytime it when might they be, listen it. To might it might be morning, yes. It's true. Hello. Hello. And then uh, our usual Grant cannot be with us today. No. For procreation reasons. Yes. Not, uh, not committing. Hey, we never know. Maybe. But we have a guest today. We have Pete from Pete Land. Would you like to introduce yourself, Pete? Hello. Peter here. How's things? Marvellous. Uh, so Liam stalked Pete and brought him along yes. to play on Flawless. I think that's an accurate representation of why Pete's here t- yeah. today. So do you want to tell us a bit about your musical history? Um, I'm from a band called Hey Geronimo. We have been a band now for almost seven years, which is really weird. I only realised that the other day when we did a bit of a retrospective on our social media. Yeah, we've been getting all those Facebook posts. Yeah. Not sure whether that was a good idea. I'm not sure whether people got the shits with that. <laughs> but we hadn't uh, we didn't posted anything for like six months, so yeah, you know, whatever. The idea is to re-engage the fans, as yes. it were. Um, and the reason, little bit the f- of a little bit of a factoid. Uh, we're friends with the Shepherd guys, and they said, "Can we write a song called Hey Geronimo?" And we said, "Do whatever you like." And they made a million dollars, and good for them. Right. Oh, nice. wow. Just to put that to bed nice and early. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Get that lo- out of the way. Well, one of the Shepherd guys was my Uber driver home after a doctor's appointment a couple of years ago. Right. So there you go. So it just we bring it all together. Yeah. Very nice. Circle. Very nice uh, people, actually. Hmm. And of course, um, the Yeah, and we've got a record out today. Brand new record called Content. It's the ultimate content. It's all different types of content. There's, uh, there's a tweet, which comes and goes, and then there's... And goes all the way up to an album, which hopefully sticks around for a long time. And then one day, somebody calls your album flawless, and a bunch of weirdos stand around and talk about it. That's we, the dream. We do. I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> what? What weirdos? Yeah. So, um, if you are a regular listener, each episode, one of us proposes an album that we consider to be flawless, and what that means to each of us. Now, today, Pete has actually selected an album that I put forward as flawless. So he and I will be trying to discuss that with Liam. <laughs> <laughs> and that album is Weezer's album, Pinkerton. Why did you pick that album out of the list? Um, looking at the list, it seemed like a bit of low-hanging fruit. It seemed a little bit uh, obvious and a little bit easy. However, it really genuinely is one of my favourite ever records. So, yeah, I've literally... From when it came out, I listened to that record a lot. Like, a lot. Like, uh, the old days of when you had your little um, Discman... And so you had your one CD that just got flogged, and that was one of my, that was one in the rotation. Um, yeah, it's just good. It just stands up so over and over and over and over again. 
had you heard the Blue Album? Was this your first exposure to Weezer or had you heard the Blue Album first? Uh, it was the classic case of my friend's brother had the good taste in music. Yep. And he, uh, he liked Weezer and I sort of just gravitated towards what he liked. And he had the Blue Album and then when the... Um, when Pinkerton came out, he sort of said, give this one a go. And my first ever song I learned to play was Pink Triangle on guitar. Mm. Right. Tabs. So nice. Yeah. Do you still still play that one? You still try and throw it into the set every now and again, maybe? Uh, we played we played a Weezer song. I think we played Say It Ain't So maybe once. Right. But That's not. a classic cover. Juliana yeah. Hatfield did my favorite cover of that. Was it Say It Ain't So? Might have been Buddy Holly. It was yeah. something that seemed like a good idea at the time and then we did it and then yeah. we realised that we should never do it again <laughs> because we couldn't do it any justice. Okay, so, so it wasn't more the crowd turned on you? No, you we turned on ourselves. We also actually played uh, Wouldn't It Be Nice by the Beach Boys once and right. nailed it. We spent like weeks uh, weeks perfecting the harmonies and we played that once as well Yeah, and thought, let's not do that again. <laughs> yeah. so, that's fair enough. That's fair. Um, you're going to ask me a question, Liam. I am going to ask you a question. I was going to ask you the same question. How did you stumble across or discover Pinkerton? So um, I was a young lady watching MTV um, and I came across Buddy Holly, obviously. Yep. So that came out and I was like, this is the best thing in the world. And I was, oh, I don't know, nine. You must um, have been super young because, yeah, I remember yeah. seeing that on MTV when I was a teenager and you're much younger than me. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I think I was about nine because that was 94, right? I think so, yeah, yeah. around about then. Um, so I fell in love with the song and it was really, really good and I, I remember that. Um, but it was years, it wasn't until probably I was 15 or so that I actually picked up Pinkerton and listened to that and went, oh, this is a bit different. This is less poppy. He's, he's changed. Mm. And uh, I wasn't sure about it at first. So when I first listened to the album, I wasn't sure. Um, but I was a recently outed queer woman so pink triangle amused me yeah. um, i was just like i can wear a triangle and boys will leave me alone yeah this sounds amazing uh so did it, did it work no 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 it didn't uh because i lived in the queer capital of europe so mm. it didn't really matter no uh, people try it on with a you know broom it doesn't matter yeah. over there so yeah so i came across i didn't come across it until a bit later but then i just fell in love with various songs and it's one of those growing albums on me that's why it was much more mature as an album than the blue album which incidentally i had played in my wedding whilst i was signing the registry we just got our, all of our guests to listen to the blue album nice. <laughs> which is great um but that was kind of like a pop fun entry level album and I really enjoyed it but then Pinkerton just seemed a bit more complicated and for the Madame Butterfly re reasons was probably one of the main influences for me which I loved so how about you Liam how did um, you come across this so I my first exposure to Weezer at all was El Scorcho oh. hearing that song so that was on the Triple J Hottest 100 volume 4 I think it was that came out at the beginning of 1997 and that's right around the time when I actually started my musical epiphany. So that's when I started actually listening to decent music and that double album. If if we could do a flawless on a compilation album, that would be it. And I could talk all day about the number of times that I just looped that. I just listened to that on a loop. Um, and that was on it and I really liked it. And so then I don't think I, I still don't think I paid a huge amount of attention to it. Like I listened to all the singles and I knew the blue album. So I sort of got that a few years later and fell in love with that one. And Pinkerton, not as much, but um, yeah. So that's been my Weezer experience just following them since then awesome well 
this album. Following them with much heartbreak. Yes. Heartache. Yeah. Yeah. So this one came out in September 96. Uh, so they took a bit of time off and this was and it was recorded in multiple um, parts. So Rivers went off to Harvard to study like classical composition mm-hmm. so, and then he during his breaks would get back with the band write like record a few songs then go back experience some more of life and then get back come back and record a mu- few more songs and they deliberately kept the album in the chronological order that they were written in right which i thought was really interesting mm. because usually you spend some time mixing it around and doing stuff and they uh they decided to keep it in that way but so did you know it was l- just mainly uh, in reference to Puccini's Madame Butterfly from 1904, the Italian opera? I didn't know. I just assumed Rivers was having a... Well, from what I read, I, I, over, a lot of, uh, over, over the years, I've read a lot about it and I've forgotten a lot about it. But um, the dude was just... I, I found it interesting how he was like... Uh, like he was famous as he was writing these songs. You know what I mean? Like he was talking about getting fan mail and he was talking about... Uh, you know, all the women that he now had and stuff. I didn't know I'd had anything to do with Madame Butterfly apart from, you know, some of the, the imagery and the, on the art, yeah? Well, the um, whole storyline, like story of the album really links into the Madame Butterfly story about the... Um, so it's about an American soldier that has a almost a sham marriage with a Japanese woman and she calls herself Butterfly and she which is the name of the last song um, and she is she's devoted to him but he leaves her it's just like a marriage of convenience and he leaves her and disappears and he comes back four years later and she's had a son and she hasn't been able to tell him you know because it's at this time she sings these beautiful arias about how in love she is and how wonderful he is and everything and people are trying to dissuade her and marry her off and she's dedicated to this man and he's called Pinkerton and uh, so he ends up coming back to Japan with his American wife and realizes that he maybe made a mistake because this woman is maybe the woman of his life like the woman for him and and she can't handle this change and she ends up before he gets a chance to save her if the final thing is her slitting her own throat with her father's knife because she can't handle the um loss of this relationship and it was like it's a really huge opera um and it's one of the most renowned ones and rivers was listening to it on cd cassette or whatever almost every night when he was touring the blue album because he was so stressed about the like trappings of being a rock star and everything else and so he relied on it which is why it was named pinkerton Mm. because he saw himself as being that crappy american guy who hypersexualizes japanese or asian women so it's a concert record yeah it's almost like a rock opera like the whole thing so he was doing classical composition at the time and you can hear in the lead guitar parts it's some of it's like queen or something you know like they just bring well, that's why in. the subsequent records were so disappointing because all of the guitar solos were just the melodies from the, the chorus which yeah. was just like where's all the cool yeah where are all the cool parts gone they yeah. sort of disappeared after this record which is they never came back actually yeah it's so com- it's such a complicated instrumentally like record for a band that were known as writing 
Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly and, <laughs> like, and the sweater song. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And it, it was, I found it really confronting lyrically as a woman because he's just exposing himself as a misogynistic ass quite a lot um, in some of the songs. And I was just like, oh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. And then I was reading articles about it where he was going, this is just... I'm exposing myself. I don't want to come across as this sexist asshole. I'm just saying I was going through so much and I'm bearing my soul and yeah. making it really obvious. And that's translated to my lyrics. And then he hated the album and wouldn't listen to it for years. Because <laughs> I, I read a thing that said that he, it was originally like he wrote a sci-fi rock opera called Songs from the Black Hole. Yeah. So that was when he was writing, like he was, he was hospitalized and he was basically writing in a room by himself for months on end. So he'd, and then, he had all the windows blacked out, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah. was basically just sealed himself off and did all that. And then it wasn't until he started going to Harvard and I guess was around more people that he decided to shift it a bit. I'm not sure if it's... Like, he didn't tell me what Songs from the Black Hole was going to be about, but whether he just shifted that concept or decided, no, we'll just drop all that entirely and do this Madam Butterfly stuff instead. On YouTube, you can... There's, a, there's his, like, draft of the space opera thing. Yeah. It's, there's a couple of couple of the tracks sort of in demo form i'm pretty yeah. sure from memory again haven't listened to it for a while but jumping around a bit but then to talk um like you said that it, it's they've changed as they've gone on quite a bit have you listened to the song exploder episode about with weezer do you know what song exploder the podcast yeah yeah yeah, I yeah. Listened to it so they did an episode on uh summer elaine and the drunk dory which is like four albums later or something mm-hmm. and he talks about how he writes now which is he basically thinks up comes up with phrases and just writes them in a spreadsheet just like has one big spreadsheet with like here's all the things i've thought like cool lines i've thought and then when it's time to record the album he just finds a riff that he likes and pulls a couple of phrases in so the phrases don't relate to each other at all but he just like this phrase works here and this bit works here and now i've got a song and it doesn't really mean anything but it's so it's interesting the idea that maybe this one so tortured him and he put so much of himself into it that he was just like right from now on i write like three word phrases in a spreadsheet and throw them together at the end of the of a record at the beginning of a recording and see what happens that's like the tom york radio method radiohead method where it was just it was like there's a type of poetry where you write down sentences put them in a bowl and you pull out the sentences and that's your poem mm. and he would do that with his lyrics and it kind of sounds a spreadsheet's just the technology yeah, version, yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> i'm sure there's an app that will do it for you yeah. and just randomize it these ones rhyme done well that was a weird thing about that um did anyone listen to that make believe record had Beverly Hills on it and some other. Yeah. Oh, I actually yeah, really like that I song. I, I hated that album. I thought it was trash. But yeah. he's like, we had a hundred songs and these are the best ten. It's like, dude, if these are the best yeah. fucking ten, <laughs> what were the other ninety like? Because yeah. these aren't very good. No, and it's yeah, it's one of those ones where it's yeah. How far along did you get? How much time did you put into those other songs? Yeah, that you could have put. Like in I can go write ten, 10 really songs good. tomorrow. Yeah. None of them will be any good. Yeah. <laughs> That's my my life right there. (laughs) Writing songs, none of them are very good. Done. But I don't put them out on records on RCA or whoever. You just needed to have done a uh, classic record 20 years ago. Then you can put out as much shit as you want. People will listen to whatever. That's true. So there were three singles. Yes. uh, From this. So you said that you heard El Scorcho. I did. Uh, The other other ones were Pink Triangle. Well done, you guys, for picking these ones up. Uh, and The Good Life. And weirdly, for an album, they're all together. Yes. All three of them are together in like the second half of the album. Um, it's like they, four, five, six or something. Yeah. Uh, six, six, seven, eight. Six, seven, eight. Yeah. They're just together mm. uh, before, the, like, before the epilogue begins of the record. And it's like, that's really weird. Usually someone throws their 
like favorite ones in at the beginning but because they kept it in chronological order mm. they're like okay we've matured now these are the ones we like the most these are the ones we're going to release as singles or whatever or will appeal because i thought el scorcho definitely stood out enough like yeah you can tell that's going to be a working ball single but i didn't feel necessarily that the good life or pink triangle really stood out that much as like if you said to me there were three singles i wouldn't necessarily pick those two to be the other ones no i liked why bother i thought that would have been a really good one because it's got that nice So yeah, so I think that that's a that was a real boppy song, and mm. I was lucky enough that I'd go to clubs like indie rock, punk clubs that would play loads of Weezer, and they'd just pick out favorite album tracks because we all knew if it yeah. was from the Blue Album or from Pinkerton, we we're like, it doesn't matter what it is, it, we all knew. Mm. Oh, can I tell you a fun Weezer Weezer fact? You should. Uh, my partner doesn't listen to music much at all, really ever, and I. This is might be a bit of too much information, but I when we got together, I was like, you might be the first person I've ever been with who hasn't owned the Weezer Blue album. And he said, "What's a Weezer?" <laughs> I was like, "Wow, okay, this relationship's going to be interesting." Yeah. Uh, and since then, he's gone. I know what a Weezer is. Yeah. Don't like it. Don't like but him. He knows no. what it is. No. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fun. Uh, so, so um, Pete, come on, tell us more. Tell us more. I want to know more stuff about why you like it. Otherwise, I'm just going to witter on for the entire time. Oh, okay. Time. Uh, I think he was. I think the reason why it's so good is because it's probably for the reasons why he sort of turned away from it for so long. It's like so weird to like listen to a a record, and this is as per another record that we may have spoken about before or after this episode. <laughs> uh, it's weird to hear like brutal honesty on like a pop rock record um some of those lyrics and stuff i know you said you might have been a little bit offended by it or or felt a bit uneasy about it for me i was kind of like i listened i felt not bad for him but i was just like wow like i can't believe he's saying this like it was kind of really weird to hear Mm. like you said it's the dude who sings buddy holly and uh you know he's a legit this is a legit mainstream rock record basically like as you know as far as the world of music goes and some of the stuff he talks about i was kind of just like oh wow can you say that apparently Mm. you can yeah uh which was you know and 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 it was the the sounds were raw and the and the songs were good um yeah i mean i'm not sure what else to say it was just it's still it's still good it's still really really good And, and the other thing is like um 96 like it's a 90s there's a, there's a 90s sound and there's a 90s sound and it's like the good 90s sound it's mm. the timeless 90s sound it's not the oh the 90s it's like the good the good 90s sound which is kind of really just just sort of well recorded rock and roll really yeah like it just sounds it's just very simple and it's recorded well and it sounds good so bands are still trying to sound like it like that's usually a good sign because still I go to gigs and I'm like oh yeah I recognise this riff or whatever. Like their bands are still trying to sound like Weezer, like early Weezer, which is a nice. Well, Weezer's to have. trying to sound like early Weezer. So. This is true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. There were, so, um, in the Good Life, yeah, there is lyrics that I really love uh, because I'm at the time in my life where I'm starting to feel really old and stuff, and it's just him 
like this is his breaking point where he's talking about all the lamenting that he's doing and then suddenly he's got the good life where he's coming in just going He go, goes on later to say that he's really embarrassed by that song. But I'm like, no, that was really nice. It was a bit of a reprieve in everything because he, he suddenly had this little break going, I'm writing all these songs about unrequited love or how I'm actually being really terrible in a relationship or whatever it is. And, and then he's like, nah, fuck it. Let's go back to being a rock star. Because how old would he have been when this, like he, mid-20s? Like what, what, I don't know what his age was when he, all this stuff came out. Yeah, mid to, mid to late 20s. It have to be mid-20s. Yeah. yeah. That's very, that's very early for a depressive slump and a throw-it-off-no-I'm-going-partying slump. But I guess if you're spending part, most of your year at Harvard yeah. trying to be like trying to impress the other kids doing classical composition, then yeah. and you come back and go, no, I just want to be a punk again. Yeah. Like, I was never good at being a punk, but I want to be a punk again. Yeah. And he just wrote this whole song just about it, which I feel was... You know, I, I actually appre- appreciated hearing it because that's how I feel. Mm. So I've definitely danced and shaken my booty to this yeah. song <laughs> more than once. So, nice. yeah, uh, the intro to this album was the song Tired of Sex. Can anyone relate? No, <laughs> absolutely not. And I don't know if it's just me, but I yeah, like his, the, so the whole thing of I'm sleeping with lots of women, why can't I form an emotional connection to any of them? I I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum. So <laughs> yeah, I didn't like. It's a cool song, and I like. I get what he's searching for is like the real emotional connection in an actual relationship, rather than just sex all the time. Mm-hmm. But also, there are people who have neither of those things, so maybe just suck it up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> or don't, or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, I remember being a teenager and going. I was I was so into nerdy looking boys oh, glasses and a swooped over haircut I was just like a sucker for so Rivers was up there and I was like and he's short brilliant um, and so when that when I did really listen to that song I was like I could be that girl like, yeah, that is, that is, desperate that teenager yeah yeah I could be I could form a connection with you it would be totally fine I know nothing about you other than the songs you've written yeah. I am just one of the other girls fawning after this pretend person that I don't have anything connected with who's probably severely emotional Emotionally damaged as well. Potentially. At least <laughs> he was getting it out. At least he was getting it out. And he had a creative outlet for it. So uh, I feel like it's like it's a very, yeah, like the young teenager thing to be like, oh, I could be the one to fix this guy. I could be the one to form that connection. And then as you got older, maybe you were like, I could be one of those throwaway one-night stands. That would be fine. I, <laughs> I'd rather be that than have to try and fix a dude. Like, come on, let's just do the, the fun stuff and get rid of it. The yeah. other thing about that tune is, it's again, that's what I was taught I was going back before. Like, who does, who opens a record up with that? theme and the themes on the the themes on those uh on those uh early records which i think is sort of missing is what is missing has been missing for 10 years or whatever yeah i'm gonna write a song about this it's like what the hell you can't write a song about that it's like watch me go like there's no like uh he's like the he's like this instead of being like the hero of the movie he's like the he's like the celebrated anti like he's the loser and he Mm. celebrates it's kind of like this, like I picture him on the mountaintop, like, I'm a loser! Yeah. <laughs> I'm a loser! <laughs> like, that's what this record kind of is, you know yeah. what I mean? Which is bizarre, really, considering that, you know, rock and roll was all like, fuck you, man, you can't tell me what to do. And this yeah. one, he's like, I'm a fucking loser. Like, and he sort of put it out there, and everyone went, oh, 
and they sort of you know anecdotally yeah. just went oh my god what is this and he's like oh my god why did i tell everyone that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, just let everyone know because it didn't actually chart highly when it came out mm. no but it's been it was a mega flop yeah. yeah but like since then it's become one of those epic albums in top 100s and stuff of albums you should have heard and yeah. whatever but uh at the time it must have been a real no wonder he went back to trying to make the poppy things going mm. oh this did not work yeah yeah like he like he yeah he exposed himself to the entire audience that he knew was going to be there after the blue album which was part of what gave him the mental health issues in the first place and then didn't get like a affirmative hey we're with you we're here to help you it's like no go back go back to your other stuff but Um, it's interesting the idea also because it's a bit grungy as well so that idea of that sort of self-loathing and self-hatred is like there's part of that in grunge as well but maybe like a lot of popular grunge you don't actually know what they're singing about whereas because these guys write sort of more on the poppier and you can hear him and you can hear the actual lyrics it's like Maybe Kurt Cobain wrote the songs about the same things, but no one will ever know because he just howled into the microphone and no one knew what he was saying. Like even Pink Triangle, he's like, ah, I finally found this girl. Like, oh, she's a lesbian though. That's how much of a loser I am. I'm dumb. Yeah, I'm (laughs) dumb. She's a lesbian. El Scorcho is all about this manic pixie dream girl that he's got in his life and and how he's just not... He has to read a diary to find out more about her because she doesn't like Green Day. Super creepy. Yeah, super creepy. But this is like again, Madame Butterfly would have you would you guys wouldn't have known. One of the lyrics is um, and then my heart stopped because she starts to write listening to Chocho San fall in love all over again and Chocho San is Butterfly in Madame Butterfly so this woman who's got a cello in her basement or whatever it is yeah. um, <laughs> who he's in love with is listening to Puccini and he's like he read it in a diary so now he's completely besotted and you're yeah. like calm it down rein it in just a little <laughs> bit like dial it down um, but it's just like a really good lyric and it's a really intelligent lyric and people had no idea what Pinkerton meant or whatever because it's such an obscure reference and it's mm. like I, I listened to it going I used to listen to Puccini I know this yeah. this is good <laughs> I felt like maybe that's what it was I felt like I could be that type yeah. of sex woman because it's like I also like opera we could be opera lovers yeah. together <laughs> you've got the money to take me and he could go and read your diary in your bedroom and yeah, I don't keep a diary, but yeah. a Twitter account, it's all yeah, yeah. out there. <laughs> <laughs> who cares? Yeah, yeah, it's like the modern version of that is, like, she said she didn't know who Green Day was, so then I um, spied on her on Twitter on her Twitter account, or yeah. I created a fake Twitter account so I could get to her blocked, her locked Twitter account and read all her private stuff. Oh, that totally happens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, in Across the Sea, that, again, was the, that's the pen pal That's letter. the creepy one. That's the creepy one from the Japanese. <clears throat> She's 18. He clarified, uh, writing a letter, wanting to know all about him and stuff, and that was very sweet. But I remember listening to get that and going, well, okay, he's got boundaries. She's 18. That's yeah. fair enough. But, like, he's obviously spent time thinking heavily about connecting with someone who is physically never going to be near him. He must have been so lonely as a person. Yeah. Like, to think that his only connection is to someone who wants to know the deeper him mm. via a letter from Japan. Because there's a there's a Weezerpedia 
which is the wiki, the oh, Weezer gosh, Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> and it was so when I was looking for stuff, I was like, oh, yeah, because most bands have like a little thing here or there. This one is really, really detailed. Like there are entries for every single song and what every song is about and links to like all the interviews where they talked about every single song on the entire list of lyrics. So that's where I found out, yeah, that this one's about like an actual real person. And they talk about in that about when they were, when he was talking about the songs, when he still talked about them, that yeah, that he knows it's a little creepy, but also this letter that he got helped him through some really tough mental health stuff, knowing that there was a person out there who cared about him, not in any way that's like, I want you to be music making like his bandmates would have been, but more, I want to know about you and I want to know who your hobbies are, even though it was probably just a random letter and the person who sent it probably never thought about it again. And he's not the only one to write those sorts of songs. Cause no. I can list, like Loudon Wainwright wrote Motel Blues, which is all about hooking up or trying to hook up with like some 19 year old groupie when he's on tour. Cause he's so lonely and so bored yeah. and Sunkill Moon wrote the same. They wrote one called the, greatest night of my life I think it was called oh I know it's pathetic but it was the greatest night of my life when it's when he just had this vaguely connected moment with a fan in Russia or something and this like, one's weird though because he it's a letter that's why yeah. it's weird from some random person but in the on the other side of the world it's so strange have you been to Japan yes how good is the stationery like, <laughs> like, how good is it that he writes about they don't make stationery like this where I'm from. And I was yeah. just like, they're going, it's true. And from that moment, I was like, I've got to go to Japan yeah. and, I, and buy a lot of stationery. So um, it was just a really, I know it's like a throwaway line, but um, yeah, it is kind of weirder because it's a letter, but it's there's that disassociation of going, he can't see any flaws in that person because he doesn't know her. I really didn't like this song. This song, like this was the first time because I'd heard his album before and this was the first time I was really listening to it. And it gave me a really icky feeling, and that sort of yeah. that feeling never went away. So, I got the idea that it helped him, and I got the idea that she's 18. But there were just a few of the lyrics that just went a little bit too far. So, for example, and that's just like yeah, like that's what makes the record good though. Yeah, it, 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 it really. It, I can promise you, if that's because that's the bit that you go, I'm fucking reading this dude's diary. It yeah. feels like I'm reading. <laughs> this guy's left his diary open, and I'm reading. Like that's that's the difference between this record and like, because it's it is, it's if it's not too much, it's pretty close to being too much. This song for me was too much. Like the rest of them, why I was like, yeah, this is cool, and I and yeah, I felt like you know he would really open himself up a lot, but he, it felt like. He, he was like he had that song in the chorus where it's like I could never touch you I think it would be wrong and it felt like for me that was like so I can say whatever I want now because I've already said that I would never do anything because it would be wrong so now I can talk about it and I can talk about how I wonder how you touch yourself yeah. and I'm just like yeah no that's not actually okay so yeah so it was like a bit too much obviously. that was a bit too far a bit too far for me like it, it felt like he was yeah just that line about it would be wrong he was using that to therefore excuse a lot of the other stuff in the song that mm -hmm. didn't really work for me. That's one of the things that I had a problem with at first when I was like listening to it going, uh, makes me feel a bit uncomfortable as a woman who has written fan mail, mainly to the band Blur growing up. Um, right. I read them a lot. I was really into Damon Albarn. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it's social media now, so it doesn't matter. Um, but uh, I, I was like, oh, again, I was a bit uncomfortable, but then 
what if that was my letter? That would be amazing. If he was doing that with my letter, that would be so cool. I, I've grown since then, but yeah, yeah it's fair enough. Uh, so what were the songs that stood out for you? So I, I love El Scorcho. I'll always love it because it was my first one. And um, You never forget your first. You never forget your first. And speaking of which, it was also a song that I then associated with the girl I had a crush on in high school. And so in my head, they'll always sort of be connected in that way, which is really weird because I finished high school in 1996. And then, so I wouldn't have heard this song until early 1997. So I only associated this song with her after I was no longer seeing her at school. So I have no idea why. Are you going to name a shame? No, definitely not. So yeah, but I've always, so yeah, I've always loved that one. And then yeah, um, why bother? Because it's just that really, yeah, that fast paced, um, sort of uh, thrash through and then um, yeah Pink Triangle I like as well even though it's also kind of weird because that one's got the lyric um, I'm like <laughs> that's not really how the everyone's a little queer thing works yeah so but you know I as a queer woman I used to be like why is she so straight yeah oh <laughs> man uh, so I, I was yeah, I was like, why aren't you wearing a pink triangle? God damn it. Yeah. But it's just the frustrations we have. Like, yeah. And you then you end up with someone who doesn't even know what a Weezer is yeah. anyway, so it's all moot. Yes. But that's cool. Um, I really like um, in No Other One, there's epic guitar parts. Like, again, it's just like really classically composed guitar, queen, rock opera stuff. Um but it's a play on the male-female relationship. It's him feeling emasculated by how cool the woman he's with is and how she doesn't pay enough attention to him when he's out. So um, he sings about all the drugs she does scare me real good. She's got a tattoo and two pet snakes. And apparently that's enough for him to go, <laughs> oh man, I'm intimidated by this one. But, you know, we've got each other. There's no one else I could possibly have. We've got each other. Um, but And he's going to deal with any of her, anything she does because he's too scared to be alone. And I was like, I've got tattoos. Does that make me cool? Yeah. It doesn't. But um, yeah. It, it does. It does it. Among other things. My mother would disagree. Oh. But it's not a Chinese symbol or a boy's name. So she's yeah. that. Yeah. Do you have any tattoos, Pete? I definitely don't, no. Never been a fan. No? That's fine. Leave them to the other people. Leave them to the people Rivers dates. Yeah. Not me. Not you, but not you, no. No, that's true. Um, Did you have any other favourite songs you want to talk about, Pete? Uh, For me, this record, the reason why it's so good is because there are are no bad songs on it. Um, El Scorcho is probably in some metric like objectively the best song mm-hmm. uh just because the song is a single doesn't mean it's not the best song like yeah. it's a single because it was awesome mm. i think <laughs> it's a really yeah. popular song that everyone liked because it was a really good song yeah you know um, and it's got that part that speeds up as well the yeah the tempo changes yeah yeah the kooky lyrics and, and, and yeah and then it cools down again just it all fits it all just fits this i was always a big fan as well of um even when we were sort of doing, making some records, like 10 songs is yeah, a thing. Like that's really people, good. Like they did that for, I think, the four in a row maybe, three yeah. in a row mm-hmm. before Maladroid, I think, had an extra song on it. But it was just like, why do you need any more than that? So it goes for like 34 minutes or something yeah. like that. Um, 
Just if, bada bing, bada boom, you know? There's no fat on it. That's what's that's the other reason why it's good. There's no like, oh, I'm going to skip this one. You know, yeah. There's no songs you need to skip on the record. In fact, this podcast is going to be longer than the album. Yes. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fun fact for you all at home. I could just play it in the background. Just let it, it, would, it would die before the podcast finished. That's true. Um, I really like Butterfly at the very end, uh, again, because of the Puccini references, mm. where he's just talking about... Um, having the story of a woman that he pins down, destroys her and leaves in a state of sorry and apology. Mm. And like it's him burying himself really quiet, just him and a guitar. I think, uh, I can't remember if Kosh was on it as well. Uh, is it, uh, no, who was it? One of them uh, was on it too. And I was like, that. yeah, that just kind of ends the album nicely. You can go to bed now with him just saying, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is a nice way to finish considering uh, how the record starts. Sounds like a Formula One car. Yeah. It's very aggressive. That's true. It's a driving album. It's got loads of dancing hits and stuff on it. So mm. that's why I enjoy it. And yeah, it's one of those like just don't skip. That's like one of my definitions of flawless is something I can listen to. Um, I can listen to at least one of the tracks dependent on what mood I'm in. And I can listen to the whole thing without skipping forward and I don't have to like make an edited version where I, I have with some other bands and stuff. Yeah. Um, whereas, because even with some of with their other records, I'm like, I'll pick out a few songs and pop it in a playlist. But with yeah. this, I will happily listen to it start to finish. And it would be awesome, Liam, if you could bring in the, I think it's called One Fine Day aria of Chocho San, The Butterfly, at some point during this podcast. I so, will try. I'll so do we that. Can we can do that. Just so you can listen to what he was listening to every night mm. to channel all of these feelings into this particular record. It's so good. Mm. Have you seen them play live? Nope. <sighs> Haven't because I was too young to get them during the first two albums. Wasn't, didn't love the rest of the stuff enough yeah. to go and see them at very expensive big stadiums and yeah. stuff like that but when they came back they just played George, George I don't think might been, you might not have been in Australia then they played 2013. the blue I moved here in 2000 uh, I can't remember 13 I think 13 I don't know I should really ask the visa board yeah um, <laughs> they came so back and they, 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 they played like the blue album and then they did a best of which was yeah. an amazing show <sighs> and it was interesting because I'd did I went and saw that and then a friend of mine was supporting them on that tour and they said, Do you want to come to Melbourne and watch this is gonna do a special Pinkerton right <gasps> episode of it? And I said, You know what? I've been waiting to see this band for fifteen years and I saw it and it was awesome and that's enough. Yeah. I'll, you're done you yeah, don't I'm happy with again that. now. It's yeah. like seeing Paul McCartney. I'm like, I've seen that. If someone said, Do you wanna see it again? No, I saw it and my part of my soul was Nourished the, and the bucket list is ticked. <laughs> yeah, have yeah. you seen exactly right. Yeah, so they they were here in 1996 on this album, and then they didn't tour again for a really long time. So 17 years, and basically for about the five years leading up to it, every time there was like a festival or anything like that, it'd be like Weezer's going to be on the lineup. Weezer's coming to like they just put an album out because they were putting albums out every like 18 months. So it's like they're going to be coming, they're going to be coming, and so they finally in 2013 they toured, and yeah, it was 17 years after, and they played. Yeah, so they the, I think the first set was like a 
reverse chronological of their singles. So they sort of lent, like El Scorcho was the last song they played before they then launched into the Blue Album and then they just did the Blue Album in full. Ah. And they had the big yellow W and all that sort of stuff and it was really cool. That's really cool. Mm. Oh, I'm really sad I missed that. And they that. were good. Yeah. They're a good band. They're really... Because they're really I've seen bands <coughs> I loved before and been so disappointed when I've left. No, they mm. were legit. They were, yeah. They and were. they've also got heaps of good songs as well. Yeah. Because the thing about Weezer's subsequent records after Pinkerton is every record had one or two good songs on it. Yeah. So the records themselves are a bit av, but like even um, Make Believe, Beverly Hills is a great song. The rest are terrible. But every every record has a good song on it. So all of a sudden, six or seven records later, yeah. they've got an amazing set of, you know, really yeah, great so, tunes. Yeah, so... so they they know and then they'd obviously practice really a lot and they'll probably still play all the blue album songs quite a bit so they were really tight and they all really worked well together like you could tell they were like a career 20 year band they've been mm-hmm. doing this stuff for long enough now that they they had it down tight awesome well i'm sad yeah well so thanks guys 17 years so they 20- played recently as well they supported foo fighters like last year yeah, oh i know could right. not afford yeah, that yeah, no, really that, yeah. wanted to go Really wanted to. They played at River Stage, I think. Yeah. Um, or is it Suncorp Stadium? Suncorp. They would have played. Yeah. yeah. You're not. You're not going to get a great Weezer performance when the sound and everything's set up and there's no one sitting in the crowd yet because they're all still out the back getting beers. Like yeah. it's not. Yeah. That's not a good way. One day it will happen. And I'm going to take slot. my partner and I'm going to say, "That's a Weezer." Yeah. Right there. They're <laughs> due for a full tour in 2030. So if they go another 17 years before they do the full tour again, <laughs> that's so yeah. Start Just saving up the pennies, everybody. All right, cool. I'll get a job. <laughs> okay, so it is time to ask the contestants of today's podcast if they uh, would say this album was flawless. Now, it was on my flawless list, so I think it's a given. I just wanted to clarify that I found some of it really confronting and it grew on me and it became an album that I will just will continue to have on my, like, playlists for the end of time because it's just confronting and his honesty about his lyrics and stuff was just a really exciting experience and unusual for someone in the 90s to do so I quite liked it but I just wish he'd maybe put like a little precursor at the beginning going just so you know guys this album not about me in a bad place (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah he did it in subsequent interviews and like enemy and everything like that for me so it was cool so I would say it was flawless Mr. Pete. Uh, yeah, I don't think anything on this record should change, so definitely. It's just like I said, it was uh, when I saw it on your list, it was, like I said, low-hanging fruit. It seemed like an obvious, it's like obvious, for me it's obviously pretty perfect. I don't think the blue record is. There's some mm-hmm. patchy dead wood on there. Only a tiny bit, but this one doesn't have any, any, any of that on there. It's 10 out of 10 from one. Yay! Okay, Mr. Liam. I'm going to have to say no, unfortunately. I've explained how Across the Sea gives me the willies. Uh, <laughs> and that, like, bad, choice of, bad choice of words. That sticks around for like three or four songs when I'm listening. And I, I normally skip Butterfly as well. Like I know, I, It's the quiet acoustic one at the end that it doesn't affect me the way it, it probably should, so I kind of skip it. But the other part of it was that I love the Blue Album. I, I would nominate the Blue Album as being flawless. And... You've talked about like thematically how it grew and it, like the construction really grew, but song sound wise and song wise, this felt a lot more samey to me. Like the songs sort of found it, I found the songs a little bit more just yeah, they sound a lot, lot more alike. Whereas in the blue album, it feels like there's a bit more variety. So I really love the blue album, and I felt this was actually a step back from the blue album. So yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't give it flawless. 
as did a lot of people who were buying the records at yes, the time. Yes, so I'm one of those lamos who was like, boo, and then maybe in 10 years' time I'll come around like they all allegedly did. That's fair enough. Okay, well, thank you very much. So we didn't get the 100% flawless on today's record, uh, but thank you very much, Pete, for picking an album out of our list. Totally. It was very exciting. Thank you for coming along and playing. Uh, We would like to thank everyone for listening. Flawless is recorded at the Edge Studios at the State Library of Queensland, which is a fantastic free space, so check them out. If you'd like to help us get the word out about Flawless, you can give us a rating and or feedback on most major podcast services and it helps other music lovers to find us we also have a facebook page where you can be part of the conversation it's flawless.com slash flawless amp and you can give us a rating or like or share it on there too every little bit helps we also have a twitter twitter.com slash flawless amp and an instagram flawless amp thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time i'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry